Hello, Great Minds. It's time for Drinks with Great Minds in History as we get ready to revisit the piece of shit curve. And yes, you did not read incorrectly. Everyone is, in fact, a little bit of a piece of shit. So welcome to the show, everyone. As always, I'm your host, Mr. DGMH, otherwise known as Zach DeBacco. And I know that not every listener is active on social media. Half our Facebook page doesn't even know that there's a fucking podcast out there to listen to. But when we call for a Cheever's Choice or a Lionel's Line, whatever we're calling it now, I like to visit it at some point on the show, and I figured why not in the bonus season? Now this time, as you may remember, it was about the POS curve, specifically how wrong Luke and Kelly and Cullen are about the latest great mind, our hero of the Revolutionary War and War of Independence, Benedict Arnold. Now, I will be totally honest with you. Way back when we started the show, I went in with some naive high hopes for the figures I was going to cover. Often problematic, certainly complicated, and sometimes just fucking bad. With Cortez and Washington, I could skirt around the issues by just addressing their misdoings and evils, but then we got to Great Minds 3 and 4, Christopher Columbus and Joseph Stalin, respectively. Something would have to be done. I mean, I can't sit here and just simply look at their greatness. They don't have any goodness, really, to them. So if we're just looking at greatness, we have to have some kind of counter. And then it hit me, a curve, something to change the scoring a little bit. Take points away for being a piece of shit. If this is the first episode you listen to, it's not going to make any fucking sense. But if you're a long-time listener, you know most of this already. So the piece of shit curve. Zero to six POS points taken away. Seems simple until people, mainly just Luke, Cullen, Kelly, and Sherry, start questioning me on my decisions. Luckily, when we reach a tie or an impasse, which happens more often than I'd like to admit, we have a very scientific measure in place to help us solve this issue. We ask Andy Cheevers. Cheevers' choice. Our oft-needed tiebreaker apparently is also called now when I fundamentally disagree with everyone else. But it's my show. I can do what I want as long as Luke's okay with it. So today we're going to reevaluate, or at least re-examine, or at least just talk about the piece of shit curve. But first, it's some history for you, a reason to drink for me, it's the history of the great minds that made history come to be. So let's see what Cheevers had to say, then I will weigh in. Quote, Hello, great minds. I'm kidding. I won't dare do Cheevers, McCasher, Backer, and Injustice by using my shitty Australian accent, lest he might sick some of his spiders on me. So yeah, Cheevers says the following. Quote, as I understand it, I have been asked to rule on the number of POS points Benedict Arnold deserves for his role in the series of unfortunate events, aka the Revolutionary War. This is in the context of the greatest American lawyer and civil rights champion Thurgood Marshall receiving no points and Stalin, one of the worst mass murderers, even if he did defeat Hitler, getting six points taken away. Also, the unrepentant rebel Washington got three. There was some discussion to the point system. Cheevers continues, I like it. I think it should be kept as it is, one to six. But Luke Franchuk's... Oh, fuck, he's given Luke credit after all. Luke's suggestion of negative points is in fact a good one. I suggest renaming it the Marshall-Stalin scale of piece of shitness. And awarding minus 100 to Marshall and plus 100 to Stalin, they are simply off the scale. We'll see what we can do with that. But moving to Arnold, Cheevers had the following to say. From a British perspective, then, I must say that Loyalist Luke, as we refer to him in the antechambers of the palace, has disappointed us greatly. We are not amused. His great work promoting the monarchy, his love for his majesty and the king's dear mummy, we now question. Now everything is in doubt. As for Mr. DGMH, what a lovely surprise his majesty has noticed you. 
Thanks for, you know, going into character there, Cheevers. Much appreciated. But either way, he continues, quote, Benedict Arnold was a man who made a series of errors in judgment, errors which resulted in the death of many loyal subjects and the forced movement of His Majesty's subjects from the 13 colonies. Yet he repented of these and saw what greatness the empire could achieve with the power of its American subjects properly harnessed. Arnold was a man of honor, a redeemed man. It is to be greatly lamented that the lesser men around him did not follow his lead. And I would agree, Cheevers, he was surrounded by a lot of lesser men. However, the stain of a traitor can never fully be removed. Cheevers rolling one point. This is Lionel's line. Call ended. God save the king. Thank you, Cheevers, for weighing in on that. A Cheevers choice is always welcome and fun to read. So I can agree. The one point I conceded on the show is now justified and fully in place. Benedict Arnold will lose one point if we ever go back to a revision. But not... Cullen's four. I cannot get behind that at all. The idea that Arnold's act, the unforgivable American sin, doesn't make him a POS may have been off on my part, but only when looking at the scale. I still don't necessarily think he's a piece of shit. But you see, again, I never aimed to or hoped to put sins into categories. Instead, it is more of a comparative and ever-evolving scale. There are a lot of factors that go into this. Genocidal leaders like Stalin and Hitler and Mao and Columbus should all be an easy six on the POS scale, but then agency comes into play. The first three really were the actors who committed their atrocities firsthand, or maybe not firsthand, but at least facilitated and instigated it. Columbus, though, he was such a shit leader that he allowed for and facilitated the rape and genocide of an entire people, the Taino. He overworked them. He set the tragic tone for colonization and mistreatment moving forward. But he was not alone, and he was not solely to blame. I mean, don't even get me started then on disease. And beyond that, he was not the actor that Joseph Stalin was. He was just an incompetent, greedy fuck. So maybe he doesn't belong in the same exact scale as Stalin. Interestingly, they've even had this same debate on The Sopranos, a great episode, by the way, where they literally compared Hitler and Columbus. Both are epic pieces of shit. No one is really arguing that today. Well, actually, a lot of fucking people are arguing still about Columbus. But either way, putting them on the same scale is tough. That's the point I'm trying to make. I won't get into those tragedies anymore right now. But don't even get me started on people like Isabella of Castile a woman of a different world that committed or allowed for so much evil in her long reign that she is worthy of the upper POS ranks. Hell, she even deserves blame for some of Columbus's actions. Then there's the other side, Thurgood Marshall, Jeanette Rankin, our selfless great minds that didn't have to kill or cheat or really do anything shitty. They only ever did what was right. Not just what they thought was right, what was genuinely right. They stay at zero, which is by default less than one. While I agree with the artist formerly known as Cheevers, I can't go changing the scale at this point, even if these two do make me think that people deserve some saintly bonus points. I also tend to leave Lincoln on the good end of the spectrum, although he was not totally innocent. He and figures like Zumbi tended to take action in hopes of some better tomorrow, while faced with terrible situations and thus terrible decisions being made. But the real tricky part are the Midlings, Washington, Jefferson, Hamilton, and Catherine the Great. All are guilty of, or tied to, enslavement of other human beings, while simultaneously advocating and fighting for a better, more free world. Or even Churchill, who pushed forward against Nazi tyranny virtually alone at the cost of two million in Bengal. Or Catherine de Medici and Christina of Sweden, who bucked the systems in which they lived, Catherine by far being the worst of those two, she had darker moments for certain. Christina, she was just good fun. Cleopatra instigated civil wars, not one, like three, civil wars, and poisoned several siblings. Who am I to say if that's worse than or better than Washington or Jefferson? 
The monarchs, they always suck. Louis XIV and Philip II were terrible legislatures. They made, and I don't mean they weren't effective. They were effective legislatures. They just made atrocious policies that targeted religious minorities in their kingdoms and empires. And they never seemed to stop sneaking worse things in. My point, the fact that the Black Codes, or the Code Noir of Saint-Domingue, actually expelled the Jews from all French colonial territories. Of course, then, Nappy Three, Teddy, and Lafayette, they had their moments of weakness, failings, and shittiness as well. I guess Arnold did too. His ego got the better of him, he was selfish, and he still pays for it more so than almost every other great mind to this day. So I guess, yeah, one point is fair, if only for the sanctity of Thurgood and Rankin. Well, that's it. What a shitty fucking episode. So let's end with a little good and some history for you. Well, maybe maybe it'll be some good. We'll see. One of my favorite figures of the colonial era, one of the few truly good figures of the period, was Antonio de Montesinos, who was really the first to speak out openly against the mistreatment of the indigenous population of the Americas. In his famous, often called fiery, Christmas Advent Servant, this priest stood before a congregation of conquistadors, settlers, pillagers, probably rapists, and explorers, and pointed the finger at them and said, you fuckers are going to burn in hell for all eternity for your actions. Maybe not literally, but pretty close. What he actually said was, quote, Tell me by what right of justice do you hold these Indians in such a cruel and horrible servitude? On what authority have you waged such detestable wars against these people who dwelt quietly and peacefully in their own land? Wars in which you have destroyed such an infinite number of them by homicides and slaughters never heard of before. Why do you keep them so oppressed and exhausted without giving them enough to eat or curing them of the sickness they incur from the excessive labor you give them, and they die, or rather you kill them, in order to extract and acquire gold every day. His words naturally outraged everyone. Columbus's son, Diego Columbus, who was now governor of Hispaniola, was equally frustrated. And all this is taking place, by the way, on Hispaniola. That's basically the Spanish Empire at this point, 1511. I mean, this priest is making some harsh accusations, though, claiming things like, quote, all of you are in mortal sin and live and die in it because of the cruelty and tyranny they practice among these innocent peoples. Regardless of whether people agreed with him or not, he made his point and his point made an impact. Still, he is often overlooked or cast into Bartolome de las Casas's larger shadow. Which is ironic, as he inspired Las Casas, who was actually there to witness the sermon, something that he would later consider an essential conversion moment in his path to Christ, or whatever you know that is. But out of this, King Ferdinand of Spain and Cisneros, those terrible fuckers that they were, passed the very first laws to mitigate mistreatment of the Amerindian population with the passage of the oh-so-shitty-and-pathetic laws of Burgos. Which basically said, hey, you can enslave so long as you protect and baptize, and we're still going to allow you to be shitty human beings. But it was something. Then came the Requimiento, which is honestly one of the shadiest fucking things I've ever seen. Basically, walk up to a tribe, tell them in fucking Spanish that they are all welcome to be part of Spain, part of the church, but if they refuse, they die. Look at how that worked out for the Inca. Not so fucking good. Still, change is change, and it had to start somewhere. Montesinos would continue to advocate for those poor souls in the Americas that suffered at the hands of the Spanish. He was even named Protector of the Indians and continued to protect the Indians until his death. While traveling as part of a South American voyage in 1549, he was actually murdered for doing that very thing by a Spanish military officer. Why? Well, like I said, because of his views on the subjugation of the indigenous population. They fucking murdered him for trying to do the right thing. Because they were more obsessed with gold. It was as Cortez said, we Spaniards know a sickness of the heart only gold can cure. Fucking shame, but not a fucking surprise. 
Still, in all that good, I am sure that Montesinos had his contentions and negative views on the Jewish and Muslim populations of the world in which he lived. He was, after all, a Spanish Catholic. Enough said. Even Las Casas, who would continue in his inspiration's efforts, would suggest African slavery as a positive alternative in place of Amer-Indian slavery, something he would later recant, but still. And in all that, I can say one thing is true. God, do I need a fucking drink after this shit show of an episode. And luckily, I waited a week after having COVID, so I can actually have a drink now. Cheers. Yes, COVID, that is the real piece of shit that kept me from recording and publishing an episode last week. But then again, the pandemic begot this show. This reality actually brings up a really interesting point. A point that I have been trying to make this entire fucking time. That is, no he mal que por bien no venga. And I, like I said, don't speak Spanish, but... Basically, what that means is there is no good without bad. There is nothing without a silver lining. Uncle Joe is a hero. Stalin is a villain. My point, everyone has their shitty moments, their dark actions. Some are evil. Others commit unforgivable sins. Hitler, well, he just fucking sucks. He's an evil, racist, good-for-nothing piece of shit. Still, his rise showcases the low points of the Great Depression, the dangers of populism in the hands of a deadly demagogue, and even a unique parallel to FDR's rise. As historians, it is our job to see the bad and the good, take them together, and honestly and fairly assess these great minds, these evil fucks of the past. So, like I said, in the end, every great mind is truly a piece of shit. Except Thurgood Marshall. He's just fucking good. But all that goodness came at the cost of one of his testicles. Cheers! (laughs) 